Hey guys, it's me, Judy, back on the old and the new again. Today, I'm going to continue talking about our mummy, Otzi the Iceman. Probably the sexiest mummy ever, if that's okay to say, in my humble opinion. And we'll get onto a few things. This includes his preservation, fun facts about his body that archaeologists and scientists found, and lastly, what exactly killed him? Utsi was made a mummy under some extreme conditions, and this was maintained after he was dug up. When he was still fresh in his death, quickly he was covered in a layer of snow. This meant that the cold quickly killed the microorganisms and bacteria that were ready to consume and decompose his flesh. The cold wind also quickly pulled all the moisture out of his corpse. He was essentially freeze-dried, and so his skin and organs all remained in place and intact. Since he was found, he lived in a museum in Italy. They keep him in a sort of freezer or icebox, which keeps his tissues frozen and prevents decay. However, notably, if we go and see him, or one of his replicas, you might notice a chunk of him is missing. We must know that the man has not always been missing a chunk off his backside. It happened when he was being dug up, like I mentioned in the previous episode, people made the mistake of trying to unearth him with a drill. And unfortunately, in 1991, the undo button apparently had not been invented. So he stayed that way. Joke. It was invented in 1968, but nonetheless, no good in this situation. Studies of Utsi's body revealed a lot about him and his life, as probably the great-great-great-great-etc. grandpa of some 21st century Italian person. Generally, to paint the picture, and reconstruction photos can be found a quick Google search away, in height he was 5 foot 2, or 160 centimetres, although he might have shrunken after he died. We know he had long hair, because his hair was found fallen off, but alongside his body. Remarkably, Although his hair had fell out, he still had one eyelash on him when he was found. He had a very good physique, quite buff, we think, weighed about 50 kilos, and his bone cells suggested that he was about 46 years old when he died. That was pretty good for Stone Age life expectancy. And he had rather flat teeth, which is explained by the fact that he ate a lot of stone ground wheat regularly which must have worn his teeth. His arms were permanently in a sort of dabbing pose. This was because he fell face down when he died, and the glacier did its moving around of corpses. On his nails, still attached to his body, he had horizontal ridges. And this was unusual because it suggests that his nails had stopped growing a few times in his life which is something brought on by great stress or terrible health, usually. This reminds us that, indeed, he lived a difficult life. It could have been because of conflict with those in his colony, or maybe a season of famine, or maybe war with foreign invaders. We can only imagine and guess. And, remarkably, he even had tattoos. 61 of them, to be exact. And these were not, we think, for purposes of decoration. Mostly, there were groups of lines and small crosses, 
positioned on the skin of his joints, where he might have experienced pain. Scientists think, therefore, that these likely serve the purpose of acupuncture. And we shouldn't be surprised that he had wary joints, given his age and time. Scientific studies were also done on him and found things that were less surface level. Having studied his set of bacteria, because, of course, so much of his body remained, and this is part of the reason why it's so much more exciting to discover a mummy than to discover a skeleton, they found bacteria that people still have today, such as one that causes Lyme disease. Utsi was one of the earliest records of it, one that causes stomach ulcers, and he also had a severe case of whipworm. It was tough back in the day. Further, his DNA was analysed, and compared to that of ours in databases. They concluded that he probably had brown eyes and brown hair. The most common colours globally were those two features. He had typo blood, which is very common now, and he was also lactose intolerant, which apparently 60% of the 21st century population have, as well as Utsi. On top of this, genetically, he was also at the risk of coronary heart disease which was confirmed by his hardened arteries of his heart. Perhaps these facts can make you feel more closely linked to him, as we're so similar genetically, yet lived and live such different lives. Studying his DNA and lineage, scientists were able to take a further peek into his life. His mitochondrion DNA that he inherited from his mother is apparently very common today. However, his Y-chromosome type which he inherited from his father, revealed itself to be very rare. Scientists were therefore able to trace this to people living in Italy today, specifically on the islands of Corsica and Sardinia. So this gave room for archaeologists to hypothesise Utzi's context. We know 8,000 years ago, some people migrated from the Middle East to Italy. Then 3,000 years later after that, some more people try to take this route over to Italy again, which meant an invasion, and perhaps war, to those already there. And this might include Utsi's people. As a result, they fled, and retreated into small islands that were isolated and more safe. Apparently, some of their descendants live to this day, because that rare chromosome that Utsi had 5,000 years ago is still around today. Ultimately, we want to know how Utsi died, though right? So let's have a recap of what scientists think happened leading up to his death. First, it seemed that Utsi was on some kind of run. We know that about 36 hours before his death, he climbed to an altitude of around 2,500 metres. And in the 24 hours following, he descended to 1,200 and then briefly before his death, he again reached as high as 3,000 metres in altitude. Well, how did scientists manage to trace his journey? Well, since his organs were still within his body, the contents in his digestive system were studied. And it was the meals that he had that helped pinpoint where he might have been to on his journey. On that subject, I mentioned earlier that he suffered symptoms of coronary heart disease, right? He had fat deposits inside his coronary arteries. So, 
We know he regularly exercised. Then what was his diet like? Well, we at least know the contents of the last of the four meals he had, and that he died in spring and summer. So, with knowledge of local species and following the logic that the further the food products were down in his digestive system, the earlier he ate them, scientists were able to roughly make out his path. At first, he had some red meat, that of a type of mountain goat. Then, for his second meal, he had some legumes and some kinkup pollen. This would have been rich in fibre, and kinkup pollen had medicinal properties too. Some people still use it today. Then, for his third meal, he had some red deer, and for his last, briefly before he died, he sat down and feasted on goat meat again. He had this along with some berries that he picked. Which was a surprisingly balanced diet. But more importantly, this information also rules out one of the most logical theories of, for his backstory. Many originally supposed that he was being chased by people, forced to move somehow, hence the 60 pounds of luggage that he was carrying. However, if that was the case, the substantial meal he had would certainly have given his enemy time to catch up to him and slow him down in his running. It's unlikely that a man like him died of a mistake like that. For ten years after his discovery, no one knew for sure how he died. He had various wounds on his body, some old, some fresh, which made it hard to find the truly fatal one. However, eventually, a CT scan revealed an arrowhead that was embedded in his shoulder blade, and the wound it made was very unnoticeable. Suddenly, the case was cracked. Very likely, it was treacherous murder. Someone shot him with an arrow from afar. Perhaps they had brilliant aim, or perhaps by accident, it hit a major artery. And our unfortunate man very, very quickly bled to death within minutes. And he remained there, frozen and still, for millennia to come. We may never know why such a man, so long ago, was making his solo expedition through the Alps. But, fortunately, we're able to stir up so much just with the discovery of this one man. Utzi, although that's not really his name, we think, very kindly allowed us into a slice of his life, as a Homo sapiens but living in the Neolithic 3200 BC. I might say that he is alien, yet familiar, in that way. I'll end this episode then by saying thank you, Yotsi, and also thanks very much for listening. Goodbye!